This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Community Credit Union. Why join CCCU? One, they're not afraid to say they're Christian, not just in their name, but in the way they do business and treat their members. Two, they focus on people over profit, God-honoring service over meeting sales goals. Three, they share their kingdom values and understand ministry. Lastly, they're serious about helping you thrive financially. Join CCCU and open your account today. Go to joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. Membership eligibility required. Each account is privately insured up to $250,000. By member's choice, this institution is not federally insured. Emotions can cause a lot of trouble if you allow them to get anywhere near your money. Hi, I'm Rob West. The two emotions that will cause you the most trouble are fear and greed. Scam artists know this, and they use it to separate you from your hard-earned cash. I'll talk about how you can prevent that today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. People are spending a lot of time and money online these days, so that's where scammers are focusing their latest efforts. Uh, We've talked about phishing many times before. That's, of course, phishing with a PH, but it bears repeating because it continues to be highly successful for thieves. A phishing email is the most common way cyber crooks try to fool you into giving up your personal financial information or getting you to click a malicious link. A phishing email will indicate that you owe money or that you're due money. The first capitalizes on fear. The other, greed. You can often spot a phishing attempt by scanning the message for poor grammar and misspelled words. If you see any, hit the delete button. Next in the scammer's bag of tricks is fake antivirus software. Let's say you're looking at a website and you get a message saying that your computer is infected. The scammer offers free software to clean your computer. But by downloading it, you'll actually infect your system with a virus or malware. Leave that page immediately and use only software from reputable anti-malware companies like Norton, McAfee, or Intego. Or you might get a phone call from a scammer posing as tech support from your actual anti-malware provider saying your computer is infected. They'll ask you to download an app that allows them to take control of your computer remotely so they can, quote-unquote, fix the problem for you. If you allow it, the crook gets access to any personal financial information on your computer, like your social security number or credit card numbers. Within hours, you'll probably become another victim of identity theft. If you get a call like that, hang up. Reputable anti-malware companies won't cold call to tell you your device is infected. Norton, for example, says they'll only call you if you first contact them about a problem, and their tech support is free to subscribers. And that's another clue that you're being scammed when tech support wants to charge a large sum of money to fix a problem, sometimes more than the device is worth. 
Also beware of ads on Google offering service for exorbitant sums, because even scammers can advertise there. If you have a problem, contact the manufacturer or a reputable anti-malware provider directly. Don't click a Google ad for tech support. Now, that covers scams using fear. Let's turn to greed and scams promising ways to make fast and easy money, usually from home. You'll often see these in your browser search results. They'll take you to fake websites that offer quick money for doing almost nothing. They're really trying to get you to turn over your personal information by filling out some type of online form. Never give out financial details in response to a search result, email, or ad. Another way the fast and easy money scammers can get you is by requiring you to pay for something up front, like purchasing training materials for a bogus job they're offering. Once the crooks get your money, you'll never hear from them again. You're more likely to find Bigfoot in your backyard than a job that pays well but requires no skills or training and few work hours. If jobs like that really existed, they wouldn't need to be advertised. Everybody and their uncle would already be doing them. Okay, time for just one more online scam, and that would be fake shopping sites. The Internet is loaded with them, and they usually have one thing in common. They'll offer you great deals on your favorite brands at ridiculously low prices, sometimes 75% off or more. If you fall for one of these fake deals, the scammers will then have your credit or debit card information and can then use it themselves or sell it on the dark web. You can usually spot them by taking a careful look at the URL or web address. It will look very similar to the real online merchant, but will always have a slight variation like an extra letter, so be on the lookout for that. Well, those are the latest online scams, and now you know how to avoid them so you can be gentle as doves but wise as serpents. This is also a great time for me to remind you to regularly pull a copy of your credit report to look for inaccurate or fraudulent information. You'll find it at annualcreditreport.com at no cost. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the MoneyWise program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. How should we as Christians think about investing? What if we could invest our money in a way that aligns with what we believe? At Eventide, we believe it is possible to love God and love our neighbor in the very practice of investing. We design investments for performance and a better world so you can invest for the future with a sense of wholeness and purpose. We call this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at investeventide.com. You're listening to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. So glad you've joined us. Yes, the program has a new name, one that we think better describes what we're all about, connecting our faith and the 
2,350 verses in God's Word dealing with money and possessions to our financial decisions. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. All right, let's head to the phones today. Again, we've got some lines open as we get started here, and we'll begin in Seattle, Washington. Hi, Marcia. How can I assist you? Hi. I have three silver bars that are about three inches long and one inch deep. And I'm wondering if I should just keep those and hold on to them for my children or if I should sell them. Mm, Yes. Uh, Talk to me about these silver bars versus other investments that you have. Do you have, uh, you know, retirement plans that you're funding? Do you have stock and bond investments? What else do you have? Yes. I've got a 401k of about 150000 and I've got stock of about 300000 and I've got 160000 in my checking and savings account. So that leads me to the next question. I want to take out 60000 to pay off my daughter's house. So where should I take that from? So I'm, I'm, I hope that's okay. Two questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Happy to do it. Uh, you know, as we think about uh, the precious metals, you know, I would typically say you should think about having no more than 5% of your portfolio in precious metals. It's a store of value. It's a hedge against a falling dollar. And uh, a lot of fear and uncertainty in the marketplace if we were to get into, you know, challenging times ahead. With that said, it brings its other complexities. You know, when you own or take physical possession of the precious metals, you have to secure it, which means uh, probably a safe in your home. Uh, you have to, you know, think about the illiquidity of it, meaning if you want to sell it, you've got to find a dealer and look for the very best place uh, to sell it to a reputable person who's going to give you a fair price without a, a premium uh, that's out of uh, the ordinary for the sale itself. And I think for that reason and just, you know, the long-term performance coupled with the volatility of the precious metals, I'd rather you see, unless there's some other reason you're keeping it than just purely the investment merits, uh, I'd probably rather see you go ahead and take your time, but find a reputable dealer to uh, sell this and convert that to cash so that it can be applied to your other priorities, goals, and objectives. Um, you know, there's going to be just tons of online merchants buying and selling gold and silver. And I would, you know, look for and, and spend a good bit of time in the reviews to find, you know, a reputable dealer. Uh, right now, silver is selling for about $22 per ounce. Over the last 12 months, it's gone as high as nearly $27 and dropped to just under 18 But I think, you know, again, unless there's some reason you're holding on to it, I don't see a reason to hold on to the physical silver. Um, as to where to pull the cash, are you still working, Marsha, or are you fully retired? Fully retired. Okay. And talk to me about your income sources. Are you living off of just Social Security, or are you pulling something supplemental from these retirement accounts? No, I've got about 72000 coming in. Okay. And, and from what sources? From my spouse's retirement and my retirement and social security. Okay, very good. Uh, and so the the investment assets, the retirement accounts that are in stocks and bonds, that's just continuing to grow or is part of 
your retirement income coming uh, from that accounts each from those accounts each month? No, continuing to grow. Okay, very good. Uh, and if you think about what you spend on a monthly basis, what would you estimate that to be? Probably three thousand. Okay, so you know you said you have well over a hundred thousand in cash. Was that right? Yes. Okay. And, you know, I would think in this season of life, you know, having a year's worth of expenses in a liquid savings account makes some sense, but that's only 36000 So I think as you think about uh, the best way to perhaps satisfy this debt, uh, I think you could just take that right from your cash. And that way you're not generating any uh, taxable income as a result of a withdrawal from a retirement account. You're not having to sell any of those investments unless you're uh, investment professional thinks you should do so. Uh, and because you have essentially over-accumulated in that cash reserve, I think that's perhaps the very best place for you to go ahead and pull the 60000 uh, settle or, or pay off that uh, mortgage in full, and you still have plenty of reserves to fall back on. And then I think at that point, you take your time and looking for a reputable dealer that gets really good uh, high marks, uh, with regard to the sale of the silver, and perhaps uh, that gets you moving in the right direction, okay? Oh, thank you so much. You've been okay. so much help. Well, I'm happy to do it. Thank you for listening and calling today. May the Lord bless you. Let's head next to Davenport, Florida. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for your patience. How can I help you? So I wish I had the problem of asking how to invest my million dollars in retirement, but that is not <laughs> the case. Yeah. I um I just recently purchased a home about five months ago and purchased for the price of $304,990. So um, $305,000. And the price has gone up now. The company that I bought from is selling the same home for $361,000. And because the price has gone up so much, I was wondering if that would qualify me to cancel out my private mortgage insurance since I did only put 5% of the purchase price down. Yeah, do you happen to know if it's an FHA or a conventional loan? It's a conventional loan. I got it actually okay. at a very good interest rate of 2.75 for a 30-year okay, conventional good. loan. Excellent. And what did you say you believe the market value to be of the home right now? Well, the company, it's a D.R. Horton home, and I purchased from them back in May for 305000 And on their website, they're now asking three sixty one for the same property. Okay. Have you looked at any closed sales, though? Because there's one thing for them to ask that. Really, what you're going to need to base this on is the appraised value of the home uh, based on closed sales of similar properties. Uh, have you seen any of those? I have not seen any of the closed homes. I um, I can certainly move forward with getting an appraisal. And yeah. um, if it does, if it does turn out that the price has gone out and up enough to put me to only or owing less than 80% because of it going up so much, would that qualify me to cancel out? The Absolutely. Yeah. So you can request once the mortgage has been, uh, you know, the mortgage value is 80% of the uh, uh, appraised value, you can ask them to cancel it. Uh, now, typically they're looking at the original appraised value, not necessarily the increase, uh, but you you still can make that request. And, you know, depending on who your lender is and what their policies are, they may, uh, you know, cancel that. It's not going to be an automatic. Now, when you pay it down, 
uh, to 80% based on the original appraised value, um, you know, that's when it's, there's a, it's a no brainer. And in fact, when it gets to 78%, um, you will, you know, they have to eliminate it altogether. But, um, you know, I, it's worth a call. I certainly wouldn't spend the money on uh, an appraisal until you talk to them and clarify kind of their procedures. Uh, because again, typically they're looking at original appraised value, uh, but it's worth a phone call. You know, a lot of folks have experienced a lot of rise in equity and uh, certainly as soon as you can get rid of that, you'll want to. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Absolutely free. We know you've learned to be suspicious of those words, but really, you can get biblical financial wisdom delivered to your inbox absolutely free. Articles, videos, podcasts, and special offers on biblical resources. More than 50,000 people receive our free weekly wisdom email, and you can too. Create your free faith and finance account. Just visit faithfi.com and click sign up. Hey, Greg, I need some advice. Oh, what's up? I'm really struggling with finding ways to cut back. With costs going up, especially in healthcare, what do you guys do? Oh, uh, we use CHM, Christian Healthcare Ministries. It's a health cost sharing ministry that's been sharing members' eligible medical bills for over 40 years. Sure helped us stick to our budget. Hmm. Uh, here's the website chministries.org. C-A-C-H-Ministries.org. Welcome to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you today as we take your calls and questions from all across the country, including Cleveland, Ohio. Hi, Bob. How can I help you? Hello. Thank you very much for taking my call. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just retired, and my 401k was rolled over into an IRA, and I have about $465,000 in it, and that helps supplement our income. And uh, I have a son that I'm going to, I have set up a trust for. And we'd like to have that money continue supplementing our fund, but our main concern is for our son. And I was wondering if this would be a good idea, worrying about the stock market, whether it's going to fall, putting it into a fixed index annuity. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, you said the balance on that is a little over 400000 Is that right? 465000 in our IRA. Okay. And how much are you pulling out of that uh, each month? Last year or this year, I received 18000 Okay. Very good. And is that what's needed to uh, supplement your income to cover your expenses? Well, no, not really. I don't really have any expenses. Everything's paid off. But uh, it brings our uh, annual income up to about ninety-five thousand. The eight, when you add the eighteen to it, the total is about ninety-five. Correct. Okay. But how much do you need to fund your lifestyle every year? Well, probably seventy-five to eighty. Okay, so theoretically, you could leave this here. Uh, or do you have a required minimum distribution on this, or are you not yet seventy-two? Yes, I'm 72, and that, that the 18,000 was the minimum required the amount. Minimum. Okay, got it. 
All right. And so you're concerned about the market. You know, I guess the, the only thing I would say is, um, you know, given that you don't need this money apart from preserving it and then growing it modestly and having it available for, uh, you know, a, an inheritance or to give or both, um, you know, the benefit of keeping it invested is you have access to the balance. You know, you can get to the full amount if you needed to use some of it for long-term care costs or medical expenses, things like that. Uh, you know, the benefit of the annuity, of course, is you could lock in a guaranteed rate of return, but you give up access to the principal without surrender charges, and they tend to be expensive and complicated. Now, if you enjoy the peace of mind that comes from knowing that you're no longer taking any risk and you're transferring that risk to an insurance company, well, that's where these products can be effective. But the reason they're not my first choice is because of the reasons I mentioned. You know, you're going to lose access to the, to the money in full and they tend to be somewhat expensive and complicated. And even though you are going to get that guaranteed rate of return, you know, I think you perhaps could do better on a conservative basis in, in the market. I think the key would be, do you have an investment professional that you can delegate this to where you can build an investment strategy that you're comfortable with? So whatever portion was at the risk, let's say of, you know, equities, stocks, uh, you know, if the market were down for an extended period of time, let's say we got into a recession a year or two down the road, you wouldn't touch that portion. You'd let it ride, uh, you know, out until the market recovered, which at least historically speaking over the last hundred years, it always has. And I certainly would expect that to be the case in the future. But, the, you know, you'd have to have that more stable portion to offset that so you didn't have to touch it. So as you take your required minimum, for instance, each year, you wouldn't pull it from stocks that had, you know, lost value temporarily. You'd wait for those to recover. Uh, so that would be my first choice. But I do recognize that there is some risk with that. And, you know, every month or every quarter when you open the statement, if we got into a difficult market, you'd have to be comfortable that, you know, your portfolio could be down for a period of time. But remember, those are unrealized losses until something's actually sold. So I, I guess it, at the end of the day, it would come down to how much do you really place on in terms of the importance of having this guaranteed rate of return and transferring the risk away from yourself to an insurance company, and how does that fit into this? Okay. I, I appreciate that. I kind of understand what you're saying. Yeah, and, you know, the good news here, Bob, is it would be one thing if you said we have a shortfall every month and, you know, we can't pay our bills unless we have, you know, 18000 a year you know, $1,500 a month, but you're not saying that, you know, you're saying, listen, our bills are covered. I mean, we're only taking this out because we have to, because the government says we have to meet this required minimum. Well, that's good news because that means you can be as conservative as you want to be, not taking any unnecessary risk, and yet perhaps having a strategy that would outpace the growth of a fixed income product and yet still keep access to your money. So uh, if you don't have an advisor, I'd go to our website, faithfi.com, click find a CKA and interview two or three advisors. Uh, see if you can get comfortable with one of them. And if not, you could always use the fixed annuity product. Let's head right back to the phones. St. Joseph, Missouri. Hi, Mike. Hi. How can I help it's you? A 
used car market is just totally crazy. And, I, you know, we got an 09 Kia. It's got 240,000 miles on it. And I've been trying to keep it running. And it runs <laughs> dependable. But, you know, I'd get to the point wondering if I should keep more money, put more money into it and, and just keep driving it down the road until these, mar- these used car prices stabilize or what. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, what have you spent? If you look back over the last 12 months, how much have you spent on repairs? Probably about $400. That's just out of my pocket because I do all the work myself. Okay, very good. Well, that sounds reasonable. I mean, the the typical rule of thumb is if if the repairs are approaching 50% of the car's value, uh, then we absolutely need to start thinking about selling, but you're probably not even anywhere close to that. And I think given that you're doing most of the repairs yourself, I would say sit this one out. Uh, let's see if perhaps maybe later in the year you can take another look at this thing. Uh, perhaps sell what you've got and maybe you'll get a better deal on some used cars. We appreciate your call today. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the program. Our goal is always to answer as many questions on as many topics as we can, and I hope you found something that was helpful to your financial life. Many thanks to our broadcast team. I'm Rob West, and as always, thank you for listening. I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on Faith and Finance.